and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Jody Bailey, somebody who has an army spouse, has moved a lot. So you know how traumatic moving actually can be? And how you lose yourself and have to find it again. Psychologists actually say moving can be one of the most traumatic events that people experience for that very reason, because the deeper our roots, the more we tend to find ourselves in our community, our relationships, our roles. And so every time we move, I think we do fear that we've lost a little of ourselves. You had a pretty major move happen to you at a pretty chaotic time. I mean, moving has always been challenging for me, period. But from April 2005 to August 2006, we went through a series of transitions that really shook my sense of security, stability, and my identity. And for a while, I felt like I didn't really know who I was. Like I'd lost key roles and connections that I had placed my sense of self-worth in. And so this was about a three-year transition where God allowed everything in my world to get shaken, stirred, and turned upside down so that he could begin to uncover and then deal with and, and heal some pretty things deep within me, lies that I had absorbed fears in insecurities, past hurts that were really hindering me from becoming everything that God had created me to be. And I think we all, you know, anytime we make a transition in life, I think we all start looking for who am I in this new place? And that can be really challenging. And if you're constantly moving and shifting, then you don't really, it feels like you don't have time to really sink your roots again. And our journey, actually, it began a year before in April, but everything sped up and intensified when we loaded our van down with everything we thought we could possibly fit in it, piled up next to our poor daughter. We left our house keys on the kitchen counter for our realtor, and we headed out. I have done that so many times. We moved nine times in 15 years, like big moves, not just moves within places. So I can identify. Wow, that must have been challenging. I have not moved that many times, but this one felt extremely consequential. We've made a decision to move. We're not 100% sure that we're moving towards a job. Like he was hoping he would get the job offer that day and that it would be there. The job would be there by the time we got to Louisiana. And midway, he's like, let's go to the Grand Canyon. So you, so you picked up and packed up everything and left without a job on the table. Absolutely. That would be very hard. It was terrifying for me. And he found it he found it pretty liberating. So we went about a month without where we were basically homeless because by the time he quit his previous job and his new job started. And for me, it just felt terrifying. When we moved from there to Bossier City, Louisiana, and we were, we were in Bossier City for just shy of a year before my husband quit his job, the job that we had left everything for. So I was pretty, I had a really difficult time with that. And this was during Katrina. So it felt like there was no stability anywhere. And so in the middle of your personal storm, there's a literal storm that's happening to the entire, what must have felt like the entire world around you. 
everything felt in chaos. Now I do have to say, I don't have time to go into it now, but my, my husband was actually following God's leading, hearing the story. It might sound like he's just being irresponsible and, but God was directing him and I had to trust that. Well, I tried to trust that. I didn't always trust fully. And, and God did ultimately bring us to a place of, of just increased healing and increased faith for me. But it took, it was just this period of transition. And two years, two moves later, we finally landed in a small town north of Kansas City, Missouri. And my daughter and I, I was homeschooling at the time, and we tried so hard to get plugged in, but it seemed like nobody had time for us. Everybody else had deep connections. They had full schedules. And we found a small church that, again, it just seemed like they didn't need us. There wasn't really a place for us. And we finally ended up in a home church. And up until that point, I had based a lot of who I was on what I did. So I was the Sunday school teacher. I was the homeschool mom who taught co-op classes. I and, and here I was living in a place where I felt like I didn't belong in a culture that I did not understand. And at the time, I felt like I had lost myself. I, I was afraid that I would never find myself. But really, looking back, God was helping me discover who I truly am. He was removing all of my false sources of identity and helping me anchor myself in who I am in Him, His dearly loved, called, and chosen child. You know, you, you mentioned feeling like you didn't belong in a place and in a culture you didn't understand. In the Bible, if you look in the book of Ruth, you have someone who wound up, you know, in a culture that she didn't understand in a place where she probably at times felt like she didn't belong because Ruth's story, it actually begins with people who were in a culture they didn't understand in a place they felt like they didn't belong. You had Elimelech, there's famine in Israel and or in with the Israelites and he moves his family, his two sons and his wife, they go to Moab. And so, but he moves there, he's searching for something basically to eat to help his family survive. But after they get there, his sons marry two Moabite women, but then he passes away. His two sons pass away and we're left with Naomi, his wife, and Orpah and Ruth, his two daughters-in-law. And they are they are the lowest of the low at this point. They are widows. They are, Naomi's in a foreign country. So when the famine ended, Naomi naturally wants to go back to her family. She wants to go back to her people. And so she encourages her daughters-in-law to go back to their families, you know, to their people. She's going somewhere where she probably realizes they will not be welcome. So basically she says to them, I don't have anything for you. I have, I can't give you anything. I don't have a husband. You know, even if I got married tonight and had sons, in in the year from now, would you wait for them to grow up and marry them? And she's basically telling them it's it's hopeless. And so she says, you know, it's more bitter for me than you because the Lord's hand is turned against me. And if you look at verse 14 in chapter one, they all weep together. Orpah kisses her mother-in-law goodbye and Ruth clings to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods go back with her. She's insistent. And in verse 16, Ruth replies something pretty incredible. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her, and so the two women return to Bethlehem. These these women had gone through, they had experienced so much, the loss of their husbands. And I was reading from, some scholars suggest that Naomi's husband had been wealthy, and I don't know if that's 
correct or not, but that he may have been moving from Bethlehem to Moab to guard his wealth during a time of famine. And if that's the case, then these women went from a status of wealth potentially to, like you said, the lowest of low of society. So they were widow. To be a widow in that day and age was was they were pretty destitute. And so they probably their identity had to felt shaken in some sense, you know, to lose, I'm no longer a wife. I'm no longer whatever the status, the social circle, I'm no longer part of that niche. And and then to, for, like you said, for Ruth to say, and I'm willing to no longer be part of this people group. And if you really look at, at what Ruth says to Naomi, when we read the Bible, it doesn't always dig into the emotions of it and the thoughts behind it. And so if you look at it, it's easy to skim what Ruth says to Naomi. But if you stop and you go back and you really look at the six things that she promises her, she is laying her entire identity, the core of what we consider makes us who we are, right at Naomi's feet. I mean, she says, where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. It's like my home is no longer my home. Your people will be my people, my family, my culture, my nation is no longer my nation. Your God will be my God. The religion that she was raised with, she's she's turning away from that to the one true God, thankfully. (laughs) Where you die, I die. Where you're buried, I'm buried. She's laying her entire life at the feet of her mother-in-law. You know, and and when Naomi's response, so she's like, well, I can't give you a husband. What can I do for you? She was thinking of the provision and security of a husband. But this story is ultimately about Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, our savior. And God is our provider, our sustainer, our friend. He's the one who defines us. And when we recognize that, when we begin to find ourselves in him, we're more able to live as he desires and we're less driven by fear. Sometimes fear can paralyze us or fear can move us forward. And with Ruth, what we see with her is that she she moves forward in this fear. She doesn't know where she's going. She's never been there. She doesn't know how she's going to eat when she gets there even. And ultimately, she begins to glean grain in a field where she's never been before. But it just happens to belong to what is called a kinsman redeemer, somebody who can bring them out of their situation, can essentially rescue them. And he it's interesting, you know, she is, she is not, she has no identity at this point, but he looks at her and and essentially says, his name is Boaz. He essentially says to her, I already know who you are. You are the woman who has essentially the woman who's given everything to take care of your mother-in-law. So her identity was probably not what she viewed it as. He saw her as something completely different. And God sees us as something completely different when he looks at us. Um, And I, you know, I think about first John three, one, that he has lavished his love on us, that we're children of God. And then it emphasizes, and that is what we are. But eventually Ruth marries or Eventually, Boaz marries Ruth. And the important part of that is that, you know, he gives her an identity within the Israelite culture. He gives her his name. He gives her his reputation. And and when you look at that, it's not just that he rescued her and saved her. He is the image of Christ in that, that Christ redeems us and rescues us and saved us. But if you go 
you know, deeper into the Bible, into Revelation, he gives us a new name. He gives us a new identity in Christ. And so someday when we go to heaven, we stand in his identity. And that's a pretty incredible thing, because if you really think about Ruth, she went from in the world's eyes, nothing to awesomeness because she's in the line of Jesus Christ. I mean, David is her grandson or great grandson. I'm not sure which, but um, because we're never nothing to him. We're never nothing to God. He sees us as he created us to be. And he does these things in our lives to move us toward that, even when we feel like we're losing everything. I love that. And I especially love what you said where Boaz said to Ruth, I know you. And I feel like that's what God says to our soul every day. And we just need to tune our ears to hear it because I feel like the whole journey of the Christian faith is is shucking off our old identity, all those false ways, whether positive or negative, whether it's like our, our title or our economic status or our past sins, whatever it is that we have allowed to define us, it's getting rid of that to find ourselves who we truly are in Jesus Christ, the one who says, I know you, I see you, I formed you, I love you, and I have a plan for you. And I think that's what I love about Ruth's story as well. She didn't know she was going to Boaz's field to glean. She didn't know when she was giving everything up in Moab to follow, basically to follow after God, your God will be my God. She didn't know everything that God had awaiting her. And we can get so caught up in thinking, I have to know what, what's ahead. I have to know what to do. And we forget that, that God is a God of abundance and, and he orchestrates our steps. Scripture says he gives us grace upon grace more than we could ever need. He's our creator. He's the only one with the authority to define our identity and assign our worth. And I think once we recognize that, who we are in Christ, we lose our fear. We're we're able to live open-handed, whether that means you know, we're, we're not as defined by temporary standards because we recognize our value goes so much deeper. Yes. Yeah, so and that fear, we can leave it behind in the trust that he knows where we're headed and who we will be when we get to the finish line. One of my favorite verses, and I've, I've mentioned it in other episodes because I love it so much. It's Ephesians 2.10. This is the New Living Translation. But we are Christ's mas- we are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good work which he planned long ago. And I love just the idea of us being a masterpiece. It's like, I'm not an artist, but my daughter is, and she has an idea of what she wants to create before she creates it. And then she sits and she paints and she puts layer upon layer and she's just filled with joy as she's creating this work of art. And I just see that in Ruth's journey, right? Even her most fearful moments, she, if she felt like she was losing herself, I don't know if that's what she felt, but she may have felt like she was losing herself, but she was being created into a beautiful work of art. I like that. Because imagine the painting, the canvas saying, I don't want you to put that color on me when it has no idea what you're up to. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Make sure to share it with your friends. And we would love it if you would rate it. That helps others to find it. And it greatly encourages us as well. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. 
This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.